Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Holland. Welcome to another one. Thanks for downloading. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Freelancer Magazine, helping you grow a freelance business you love. Sharing inspirational stories from freelancers around the world, freelance-specific business advice, practical tips, trends, events, and lifestyle features. Freelancers across 25 countries are already subscribed to Freelancer Magazine, so make yourself one of them at freelancermagazine.co.uk. There's a digital version too, but... Get those sweet, glossy pages in your hand. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for eco-copywriter Estelle Haekner. It seems quite obvious now. It was like right in front of me the whole time, but I hadn't considered that that could be my niche, that people could choose to niche in that way. I'd heard of choosing an industry or a skill to niche in, but not so much like values. I tend to add a bit of a of a buffer into that time as well so that I can relax and like enjoy it because it's really important to like <laughs> find ways to remember to enjoy the work that you're doing rather than just like trying to get onto the next thing. When you're introverted you, you kind of maybe feel like the traditional ways of working aren't quite right for you and you try to adapt to work to them but actually if you run your own business, you can start to build it up in a way that you use your introversion to your advantage. You don't need to do stuff just for the sake of it. You can run it exactly how you want to. Yeah, so there's Estelle, who is one of our BFFs, Being Freelance Friends, in the community. If you've not come and joined us yet, do so. There's a link at beingfreelance.com. I've been really struck by the way that she runs her business, and I wanted to find out more about her story. So that's coming up. She lives on the Isle of Jura, which is part of a string of islands to the west yeah, west of Scotland. Looks incredible on her Instagram stories. Uh, we'll find out more about that in a bit. Quite a few people, by the way, signed up to take the course this week. So hello, I'm waving, if that's you. It's called How to Get Started Being Freelance. Don't struggle, basically, figuring out all yourself. Do yourself a favour. Take a look at beingfreelance.com. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee, so nothing to lose. Click on course at beingfreelance.com. And speaking of starting out, the other podcast I co-host is Doing It For The Kids. It's for self-employed parents. But our latest episode, that's the latest one as I record this, is all about exploring exactly what to do as your freelance job. It seems obvious for some, far less so for others. So if that discussion sounds like something you need to hear, please do search for Doing It For The Kids and take a listen. OK, let's crack on and hear from this week's guest, and that is freelance eco-copywriter Estelle Hegner. Hey, Estelle! Hi, thanks for having me. You take remote working to an, an extra level because you live on a remote island off Scotland, right? I do, yes, the Isle of Jura. It's uh, two ferry trips to get here, so we're not even like the next island from the mainland. We're an island from an island. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, okay, right. So now we know where you are. Um, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Sure. So when I was at uni, I guess I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was studying uh, English literature. Um, and all I knew really was that I wanted to work with words. Quite liked the idea of my work having like a deeper purpose, but I didn't really know what that was yet. I had grown up just outside of London, but I'd moved to Cornwall to go to uni. And I guess this kind of like, kind of kickstarted my interest in environmentalism. Um, I lived in Falmouth, so it's like a really green place. I lived with a marine photographer. So yeah, I kind of got to know a lot about like her 
like values and her way of life. And I think that rubbed off on me quite a bit. Um, and I was living by the sea for, for the first time. So like all my free time was spent kind of in or by the ocean. And I think, yeah, this kind of, kind of built up quite a, a connection with nature for me. And I really wanted to like help protect it and stuff. So anyway, I'd started to like get into like student journalism uh, at uni. So I thought I could possibly connect these two things, um, become like an environmental journalist. So yeah, so after uni, I got a job at a magazine back in London. It was just a digital marketing magazine, but building up some skills and experience in that area. And then I went, uh, I left that job and I went to study um, my diploma in journalism. And yeah, so I did two uh, two internships when I was there. So I got an internship at um, Geographical Magazine and and an internship at BBC Wildlife. So that was really cool. That was like, yeah, what I thought I was, <laughs> what I thought I wanted to do. Um, yeah, it all seemed to be coming together and stuff. In fact, like after my internship at Geographical, I'd I'd built up quite a good relationship with the the editor there, and he was like commissioning more work from me so that felt like it was going really well and also I was like in the kind of final stages of interviews for a full-time role with BBC Wildlife um so that that was all coming together but (laughs) at this point I kind of had tried to ignore it a little bit but I started to realize that I felt very uncomfortable at work most of the time when I was doing this kind of work and Mm-hmm. Even though I loved the, I loved, loved, loved the work, the work I was producing, the writing side of it was amazing. If I could have just sat and like written all day, that would have been perfect. But yeah, the kind of like the group environment, you know, sitting in the office and answering calls coming in, kind of always like chasing the the story, all that stuff actually made me very anxious. And I didn't realize at this point that I was like, I was an introvert or kind of, like socially anxious even but yeah so that I started to wonder actually if that was um was the right path for me and alongside all this just so happens that I'd been doing some content writing for um a small kind of content and proofreading company just like freelance to fund my studies yeah they actually also offered me a job a full-time job and yeah I was really surprised but my gut reaction was to take that job it had nothing to do with like environmental work or anything that I'd been working towards but it just instinctively felt more comfortable for my way of working it was a small group there was just four of us like all women all a similar age and um, yeah so I ended up taking that job and kind of put the other stuff to the side but actually I ended up going freelance as a copywriter so I I built up some copywriting skills while I was there and I ended up going freelance about eight months later because I was actually made redundant that company closed but yeah so that's kind of how I started as a freelance copywriter and I I generalized for about two and a half years and I kind of kept the environmental interest alive by I had like volunteer at nature reserves at the weekends and things like that And then kind of as I got more comfortable and I built up my experience uh, and confidence, I felt confident enough to to niche and to bring in this more eco focus. And I I kind of rebuilt the business around eco brands and copywriting for eco brands. So, yeah, 
that's uh, that's the story. Wow. So it's kind of a combination of working to the values, the the purpose, as you put it, but also to suit yourself, having recognised what you needed as an introvert. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I suppose finding the finding the purpose. I don't know. It it, it almost like forces you to think about the other aspects of it and how you'd like to work and realizing that you can do things in a way that suits you um I think possibly as a as a generalist you feel like you have to be in all these traditional environments I, you could kind you're kind of just trying to meet anyone whereas I find now that having a a specific purpose and a a, a way that um you know values that I'm looking for in my work um it kind of takes me to more intimate settings naturally anyway. So when you first went freelance, and and that was when you were being like a general freelancer, right? How did you go about getting those clients? Oh, so actually, um, I was really lucky. So the company that I was working at, I was the only content writer, the other three were proofreaders. And uh, when the company closed, um, my employer actually recommended to the clients I was already working with that they follow me as a freelancer um because I'd built up yeah it's really nice I'd built up good relationships with them and uh you know I already knew the work that they needed and how we how they like to work yeah so they they basically formed the basis of my my new freelance business and um some of them I still work with today it was mainly kind of at that point mainly like uh kind of trade clients IT you know, not necessarily work that lit me up, but it was um, it was very steady and reliable. And I think at that time, you know, just to get your business off the ground, there's a lot to be said for that kind of doing work that doesn't necessarily like <laughs> excite you all the time, but it's just um, just steady and kind of lets you learn learn the ropes a little bit. Um, yeah. But actually, there was um, two two clients that I worked with during that time. And they were more, um, so I worked with like a senior copywriter and then like a website marketer. So not, that wasn't like direct to client. They'd kind of like, they had their own clients that I then came on board with. And I ended up kind of building really good relationships with them. And I think that is a benefit of, (laughs) I think it's a benefit of being uh, more of an introverted person is that you're, I'm hopeless in like, group networking or whatever but if I click with someone I can build like a really deep lasting relationship <laughs> and that's what happened with them too and it's been a really kind of incredible source of work uh even now so um the copywriter would you know perhaps outsource to me um now that I'm a bit more experienced he just kind of passes clients to me and also now that I have some experience as well I can reciprocate which is really nice so I think forming these kind of really genuine reciprocal relationships has been very beneficial for me mm. but then you decide actually I I still want to get back to those values and that purpose and decide to niche into that was that as simple as simply saying it or like how, how did you make that work I think it's been quite a long, a long process. Um, I probably, I think that was about two, two to two and a half years ago that I decided 
to niche. The first thing I did was I got my branding done to reflect the new niche. So I think that was a real confidence boost um, just to kind of feel more legit putting my stuff out there. Yeah, so I, I told people as well. I just I, I said to people, this is the um, kind of work that I'm interested in. And on social media, I started to talk more about environmental uh, things and just tried to curate my content a little bit more in that way. But yeah, it certainly it certainly wasn't instant. Um, I did find that leads that were getting passed to me became more, eventually became more aligned. So like the copywriter that I worked with, he would start to pass me work that was more of a good fit for for the environmental side. I think niching it can be really powerful in that way because if you just you start to get known for it and you you kind of become like a magnet for the the type of work you want to do you know someone yeah I don't know someone hears eco client and they think like oh I still was interested in that so um yeah but it has it's taken it's taken a little while and also like just building up confidence to say like yeah I'm a I'm a specialist in this niche that's taken a little while as well how were you putting yourself out there when you said you know you were telling people mm-hmm. where do you put yourself out into the world um i think a few things so um instagram is one of the big things i that i use so just kind of yeah i made a i made a bit of a a plan on instagram um around kind of trying to get a balance between talking about uh, copywriting and talking about more like eco topics and and also um more personal things as well so that people got like more of a rounded picture of of who I am um and the, another big one was facebook groups so i found a facebook group for my niche a group for eco business owners and they're not the great thing about it is it's it's full of um not just like copywriters there's website developers marketers um accountants like all sorts just mm. just people that would identify as an ecopreneur um you know I don't really like that word but <laughs> lots of people use it um yeah so I I got involved in in those groups and that's been really beneficial because I think a lot of Facebook communities they also have a kind of you know like an in-person element sometimes so like this particular group they'll do um each month there'll be like different meetups that you can go to and I know I said I don't like uh, networking but I found I find this particular form of networking really really good because I already know the people that I'm getting on the networking call with because we've been in this group it's quite an intimate space it's not just like new people every time that's been really good so just really getting to know people and not trying to like push services and things like that. I think that's, it's just a big thing that I've learned is to just show up and be yourself and build genuine relationships. Let people know what you're into. Feel free to be different. Don't feel like you have to be like everyone else. And um, yeah, it sparked some good uh, collaborations and uh, word of mouth and referrals. That's so cool. And so those, those are sort of online events, but sort of bringing to life the Facebook group that you've been in yeah exactly so they'll be on zoom or google meet or something there's a few different types of things so um you know there might be just like a general kind of chat like a a networking thing but also what I really like is um 
you know, some groups that I'm in, they'll do like a co-working kind of afternoon or something. And I, I think that's really beneficial because particularly if you are more like nervous on calls or, or something like that, it's helpful to be doing something so we can, you know, you go away and you do a bit of work and you can come back and you can talk about it. And it kind of gives a, a structure, I suppose, um, which can be really helpful. Ah, I like that virtual co-working. So do you all leave yeah. your cameras on while you're working? We don't. So um, Oh, you don't? We'll... That might actually make me do the work. <laughs> it's than... true. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, so there's also a, a kind of environmental reason behind it. So like when you... Um, like video streaming and stuff, if you turn your camera off, it's better for your carbon footprint. So that's kind of um, part of it. But also, yeah, they'll do like a, a kind of Pomodoro. So you'll, you'll have a chat and then turn the cameras off and then work for like 25 minutes, come back, have a chat, turn the cameras off and, you know, do it like that. So. And so at what, at what point did you move to Jura? Pretty much exactly when I niched. So I think this might have had an impact on it. Yeah, so it was about, it was about two and a half years ago impact as in it 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 helped you niche or it made you niche like in what way I, I mean this is just something that I've reflected on I'm not entirely sure it wasn't like a conscious uh a conscious thing but I, I think back now and I'm like well I just made a big life change in terms of you know moving from London all the way up here and I wonder if that kind of kicked my brain into gear like oh you know you can make you can do that you can make another quite significant change um, but I think also I'm so close to nature here, like um, walk out the door and yeah, mountains and ocean and wildlife everywhere. And I think that probably, it probably inspired me or perhaps, you know, perhaps reminded me a bit of the fact that I loved that that side of things. And I, I, I think perhaps, um, yeah, when I'd been generalizing for so long, I might have lost sight of that a bit. And to be really honest, I didn't see... It, it was a bit of a like light bulb moment when I realized that I could, I could bring this in as my niche. It, it you know, <laughs> it seems quite obvious now. It was like right in front of me the whole time, but I hadn't considered that that could be my niche. I hadn't considered that it was a viable niche that people could, you know, choose to niche in that way. I'd heard of like choosing an industry or a, or a, a skill to niche in, but not so much like values and, uh, yeah, it, it kind of all clicked into place and it seemed so so perfect when it happened. And so you put yourself out on Instagram, which is brilliant, by the way. You really should follow uh, Estelle on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Be because you are, you know, into sustainability, eco, you know, all of that, just, just literally all you have to do is walk out your front door and take the dog for a walk and it's like you're showing... <laughs> You don't even have to be doing the work and yet you're showing the brand kind of thing. It, it's great. But do you also then follow or interact with, um, you know, like those eco businesses, which you also, you know, you found them in Facebook groups, but do you find them on Instagram? Such a wordy question. That was probably bad for the environment, <laughs> all of that hot air. Sorry. I got you. Um, yes, I do. Yeah. So it's pretty cool because... I find that the the relationships that I formed in these Facebook groups and in in real life, like on video, they mean that if I'm sharing content on Instagram, kind of everyone, I don't know, there's a really lovely sense in this community uh, where like everyone shares everyone's stuff. It's pretty like supportive like that. And in turn, I, I share other people's stuff and 
yeah, just like I've I've found it has kind of really helped me find my flow with social media because I think social media can feel like really hard work. And if it feels like hard work, you're kind of not going to do it. So I try really hard to keep my Instagram in particular just kind of like, I don't know, natural and intuitive and social as well because that is what it is at the end of the day. You know, I try and treat it as I would a a kind of (laughs) in-person social situation. So just kind of having chats with people who I click with, um, telling other people about the content I've seen if I think it's interesting and like importantly as well, if I'm not feeling particularly peopley, um, you know, feeling free to stay to stay quiet a bit because I think, yeah, social media has to be sustainable for you. And if you're naturally not very um, extroverted in real life, then it does you don't have to be on social media, you know? Like um, I've found that quite helpful just trying to really kind of use it in a way that that feels natural to who I actually am and um as you say I'm very fortunate because I can walk out my door and there's kind of content already there like there were I I didn't have anything to post the other day but I walked out and there were dolphins in the bay so I'm like okay cool that's (laughs) that's great um yeah but um so I do make like a bit of a a bit of a plan for for social media. Like I have a rough plan, but I try to keep it loose enough to let real life kind of come into it, you know, so that I'm not mm. completely stuck to that plan. I noticed on your website you have packages, for example, of your mm. services. So I wondered how that, you know, like being specific about what it is that you offer and how much it is, that kind of thing. Have you noticed that help your business? Yes. So the reason I initially did that was that I found that for quite a, a while, when I first started uh, freelancing, I was just responding to inquiries and I was working in everyone else's ways. Like, so I was, I was doing all sorts of, of work, whatever people needed. And I didn't particularly have like a process I was just kind of like, oh, how do you know, how do you want to work? Like, I'll follow that. And I thought that was being helpful. But actually, like, for, for a start, I think when you hire a specialist, like you kind of want to know how it's going to work and things. But also for me, it really didn't help with my confidence not being able to kind of lead the process. So like I'd get on calls or I'd have a meeting and I'd feel so anxious because I, I think like, oh, I don't really know what the process is here and what's expected of me. So I decided that, in fact, I, yeah, I was going to kind of take control of the process a bit more. And I thought, right, what what services do I most like doing? And that was website copywriting. So I chose, you know, I'm just going to focus on website copywriting and I'm going to create a package because I'm not good at selling on the phone. <laughs> it fills me with dread having to get on a call and like sell someone on my value. So I thought if I create a sales page, that does that that heavy lifting for me, it will qualify leads so that when I get on a call, they know what the price is already. They know roughly how long I give for the work. We're kind of on a a level playing field when we're on that call. We know, they know what to expect. And it just means that on that call, I can relax. (laughs) 
they can relax because they know what's expected of them and we can actually use it to get to know each other and work out if we're a good fit and it's just a whole lot more enjoyable yeah so there's that and it also really helps with organizing my time so I, I do still take on other work if people need it but having the packages just means that when I'm looking to plan out my day or my week or my month if I've sold a certain number of packages I know how long they take I know what the process is I know when everything needs doing and I can slip that into my schedule quite easily so it's been really beneficial and I guess like not everyone wants the full package that I've put on the website but it kind of gives them a starting point and then you can have a conversation and it just oh my gosh it's taken away so much of the anxiety for me so (laughs) yes it's been the best thing that's so good and also there's kind of like a more stripped down consultation type version of it as well as as if to say like oh I still I can't afford this but even then you kind of have this get out right yeah so I I offer like a like an audit for people that either don't have budget or aren't sure that they want the full service so um, I try to be as helpful as possible because I yeah everyone's at different stages and like budget is an issue and yeah I I want to be able to help uh, if I can so just having like the kind of entry level option as well is helpful and I really love doing those because they take like you know it's like a day rather than a full-blown project so it means you get to work with lots of different uh, lots of different brands in some way as well and so you talked about being able to plan out your kind of schedule so do you have quite a, a firm rhythm to how you like to work uh, yes I do um although I try yeah so I, I try to like have a structure but not make it too rigid because then that becomes stressful in itself so um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so complicated. <laughs> um, yeah, so generally I work Monday to Wednesday, I prioritize client work. And then uh, Friday is always like a like a CEO day, so working on, on my own business. And then Thursday, I have as a bit of a buffer day, just depending on how the week's going. So if I need to spend a bit more time on client work, um, that might eat into a bit of the Thursday or like if I want to spend more time on my business, I might spend some of Thursday doing that. Or I might just take, sometimes I just take Thursday off, kind of off and like listen to podcasts or like catch up on training calls and things. So like uh, a bit of a personal development day. So that works quite well. Um, and uh, like, you know, I might kind of keep up with housework while I'm doing that. So it kind of benefits me in a couple of ways. But in terms of day-to-day, I've also... Uh, I've done a lot of work like figuring out when I work best and when my energy is so I'm definitely a morning person so what I do is I'll start a bit earlier so I might start at like eight and then I'll work pretty solidly through to one just doing like my most important work of the day so usually creative work when my mind is fresh so I'll turn off emails I try to turn off social media yeah and I'll get like that solid chunk done And then I'm pretty strict about taking a long enough lunch break to walk my dog (laughs) because I, uh, yeah, it's just like something important that I I wanted to fit into my day. And then when I come back from that, I will just do like light admin because, yeah, later on in in the day, my brain doesn't work so, so well. So I'll just kind of work on like emails or 
kind of lighter admin jobs. Yeah, so obviously like love <laughs> love routine and things, that's quite important. Um, but I was finding that I uh, wasn't getting enough time for like, say exercise or um, kind of personal life in that way. So uh, what I actually started doing was scheduling it in like a client meeting. So that's in my calendar, I use like time blocking. So everything kind of has its own color code and you know so like uh, client work might be blue personal life is yellow um work on my business is pink and I'll block out those slots in my calendar so that I can see exactly what the day and the week looks like and there'll be slots for for example I like to go for a run on a Friday morning and that's actually like it's like a non-negotiable it's in my calendar um so that means that I make dedicated time for that so I can properly switch off when I'm doing that job because it's like a, like a client task. I'm like, right, this is my running time. Because before I felt that I, I always felt like I was trying to squeeze stuff in, so, you know, like, oh, quickly take the dog for a walk. And then you're thinking like, oh, I need to get back to work. But now it's in my calendar. It's like two till three, <laughs> walk the dog. So then I can relax during that time. So that's been really beneficial too. That's so funny, isn't it? It's such a subtle <laughs> thing that that switch from guilt to uh well the opposite almost like um yeah. pride I guess but you're fitting something in yes it, it's like I would highly recommend it it's it's um really allowed me to be present in those moments like uh, and not even just not even just personal life but just work itself because if you block out your time for the job you know, like you're not constantly thinking like, oh, I need to get it done, need to get it done, you know, thinking about the next thing you need to do. That's like, that's your space to work on that job. I tend to add a bit of a of a buffer into that time as well so that I can relax and like enjoy it because it's really important like to like <laughs> find ways to remember to enjoy the work that you're doing rather than just like trying to get onto the next thing. Mm. And then how about your weekends? Because it, so- it sounds like your weeks are nicely balanced. And so at the weekend, do, do you work at all? Um, yeah, I, I I think that's, I've got a little bit out of balance with it recently, but I definitely don't do client work. I try to keep the weekends completely client free, but I may do like on, on a Saturday, I may do a bit of work for the business, but it's only, I will only do it if it's like something enjoyable. For example, recently I've been taking a, a course and, um, there's quite it's it's like filled me with quite a lot of things that I want to get done so I'm quite enjoying like spending Saturdays like working working through that and it doesn't necessarily feel like work and if I do work on a Saturday I make sure that say in the afternoon or or the or the morning like I'll take time to do something weekendy so I you know like having a bit of a lion before I do the work or something just so it doesn't feel like a work day Sundays I I definitely try to keep free because um, yeah, it's, it's important to have a rest day. And I, if I work through a Sunday, I feel it and it just like doesn't mm. benefit the rest of the work. So, yeah, usually uh, Sundays I try to go um, I try to go swimming because um, I, I feel like that will that like really sets me up for the week. So, again, that's like something that's scheduled into the, to the week. It's a bit of a non-negotiable because I've just found it really beneficial for my well-being. So that's wild swimming, right? It is sometimes very wild swimming, yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
loving Estelle's story. Quite envious, frankly, of that life on Jura and slowing down. But not all slow things are good. A slow web page is not very good at all. Nice link, Steve. Thanks very much. This episode is supported by Ahrefs, and I've been using their free webmaster tool to fix beingfreelance.com. And this week, I've been concentrating on slow pages. Ahrefs warned me of all the pages that are loading slowly, and that's not great for Google ranking, but it's also bad for humans visiting your site. They're going to be put off. So just one of the things I'm fixing SEO-wise using Ahrefs. Why not check it out for your freelance website at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. Ahrefs is spelled A-H. R-E-F-S. And if you don't understand SEO, don't worry. Ahrefs explains everything and tells you what to do. If I can, you can. Thank you very much to Ahrefs for their support. Okay, back to Estelle's story. And actually, I'm sure I remember once reading a blog post about you saying how just that act of wild swimming had helped you in your business. Yeah, it's it's got so many benefits. I think um, just kind of like having... Having some activity, you know, whatever's available to you, if it's not exercise, um, just, you know, thinking of something else that's available to you. Um, having something that takes you out of your head and puts you into your body or or into a different state of mind, um, I think is really important. So for me, it's wild swimming and it just forces you to stop thinking about work because you physically cannot think about work when you're in like 10 degree water. Um, you're thinking about you're thinking about how cold you are well yeah totally you are you turn into it becomes like a much more primal thing Um, and it just also puts things into perspective because you're like I'm just trying to kind of stay alive and this little issue really doesn't matter anymore though you know if you've got like a little problem that was niggling at you you come out and you're like oh that really is not a big deal actually yeah so it's obvious that you, you know, you live your eco values in your life, but you also make them run through the way you run your business as well, don't you? Yes, I try to. Just things like, so like the website, for example, um, just trying to make that as green as possible. And there's always work to be done. And I guess we don't, we don't know everything yet anyway like either so um yeah just trying to keep the carbon footprint of the website down and I'm a member of like one percent for the planet so that's like one percent of annual earnings goes towards environmental causes and things like that um but yeah so that that kind of thing is really fun because there's just so many different ways to do business and it's quite exciting to like learn about all these changes you can make to improve it for the better um so that's been a big focus for me this year like just like making sure I'm kind of walking the walk a bit as well Mm. i'll say at this point that if you missed it in our being freelance community uh, we did a live q a about running your business in a sustainable way and there is a link to that in the in fact there's a blog i was about to say go to the facebook group but if you go to the website beingfreelance.com there is a blog post like a write-up about it you can also watch the replay in the group and do check out estelle's website there'll be a link at beingfreelance.com so you can check out what she's doing and like you you have an environmental policy and things like that don't you and it's um yeah i think it's a really inspiring interesting thing to do so do do take a look at that if that's made your ears prick up so actually really other than literally swimming it sounds like everything's going swimmingly Uh, is there anything that you found particularly challenging about being freelance um 
yeah, I guess uh, for me, probably the the biggest challenge has just been like um, kind of like the confidence to to get visible and start marketing myself because I think although it was wonderful that I you know so much of my work was and still is through word of mouth and referrals. Um, it did mean that I didn't really have to worry about marketing myself so I could kind of sit happily in my office and write away and not really worry about getting visible and I, I potentially got a bit too comfortable with that and when I niched it was much more important to to start talking about what I was doing and things and there's only so far like social media and and your website and things that they're really really important and they're great but I think starting to get out and talk to people in person or um, on Zoom or, or whatever, it gets to a point where I, I, I feel like that's really important as well. And for me, it's just not something I was comfortable with. I was so worried about it for a really long time. Like even just, uh, so like I'm part of a, a coaching uh, group. So even just getting on coaching calls, I was just like terrifying. I don't know why. Um, I found that so difficult. And the way I got over that was just, uh, I, I think simplifying helped. So uh, just, you know, choosing to focus on website copywriting and really understanding the purpose behind it, that really helped because kind of gave my messaging messaging a real focus so that I knew what I was talking about rather than, yeah, trying to talk about everything um, and just going away and kind of like learning my craft and, you know, doing things like learning more about green marketing. So I, I knew what I was talking about. I was confident talking about it. And, um, you know, just grad- gradually starting to dip my toes into like, you know, maybe asking a question in a coaching call or, you know, joining different joining different things. And eventually it built up my confidence around it a bit. And now I'm, I still get very nervous doing stuff like this, but um, I, I really want to do it. And it's exciting because I feel like I want to use my voice a bit more so that's been probably my biggest struggle but I feel like I'm I'm getting there with it one thing I was thinking as well was you you obviously by by scheduling life and work you're protective of your time and the time that you take off but does that mean that you don't take on all the work that you possibly could that you leave some work to one side or that you make people wait as in you're not necessarily earning all the money you could because every all the work's coming away, but you kind of like delay it further down the road I'm, or maybe I'm talking nonsense. Uh, no, yeah, I I mean, I think it's always a bit of a struggle because of like the feast or famine mindset. Um, but I generally am quite good with that. Like I won't take on, I, I guess the thing with knowing about how long these projects take me because I do this a similar kind of project each time um I'm very uh realistic about how much I can fit in so um I I say I think I say on my website I have like at least a two-week wait list um so that's already uh clients are already expecting that but if I can see that I've got work booked in then I will just say you know this is the date I can start and if they're happy to wait then that's great or I might if they're not happy to wait um I'll recommend someone else that they can use so I want to be I try to be helpful in that way and like refer to another um copywriter if I don't have capacity to take it on but also the thing is with uh like a thing that I started doing this year that I learned from my coach was if I have a bit of a wait list um and I can't start for say four weeks 
rather than saying that, I'll say like there's kind of there's some homework you can be getting on with. So we can start we can start like doing the admin, like the invoice and stuff. And that generally takes um, takes us up to the start date anyway, because it takes time to get all that booked in, like paying the, I take like a 50% up from payment and things and getting the contract signed. Um, so that's worked quite well. Okay, now Estelle, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay. Number one is I once accidentally joined a cult. <laughs> accidentally oh, I only went out for milk <laughs> okay go on number two is that John Barrowman from Doctor Who once yelled my name at me in Costco <laughs> okay and number three is that I once unknowingly swam with a basking shark <gasps> oh well I mean let's start at the beginning you accidentally joined a cult yeah, oh my gosh, it's such an odd experience. Um, so, um, yeah, so it was advertised as a nature conservation nature conservation group. Um, the ultimate bit after your training would be that you'd get to go to South Africa and work on their um, reserve there. Uh-huh. Um, basically, it, <laughs> this is so weird, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, there were just very strange things. Like from the from the first day, I was like, this is a bit odd, but I really, really wanted to do the work and I really enjoyed, uh, I was getting to do things that I'd never really, you know, had an opportunity to do before in terms of nature conservation. Um, but they just had all these rules. And um, yeah, some of the techniques I've now learned are um, they're like typical cult techniques. And I know, I know I'm, making light of this I I obviously don't want to uh, do that too much because it's very serious um basically the 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 reason I so like my partner and stuff was like this is this sounds really weird because I'd come home and and tell him but and my friends and stuff were like this this sounds odd but funnily enough the reason that I quit was that they asked us to watch this really violent film and I really hate violent films. So I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to have to do that. And that, that's what clicked it for me. It's really strange. How odd. Also odd, you were in Costco, right? <laughs> Which is, it's a massive warehouse outlet for businesses. That's what Costco is. And you're in there and John Barrowman, <laughs> who's, who's a marvellous sort of camp TV and musical star, <laughs> shouts your name. <laughs> so this I was about 14 and I am a big Doctor Who fan and I was back then as well and um he was doing a book signing and <laughs> I can't even remember if I read the book but I just wanted to meet him yes and it was in Costco so I went with a friend and we queued up to get our books signed when I got there he asked me what my name was and I said Estelle and he did that um do you know that thing from a streetcar named desire when <gasps> stanley is like yelling stella <laughs> um yeah so he did that to me which is like, <laughs> hugely embarrassing i can't remember at all i think i just kind of like smiled <laughs> but he was really pleased with himself yeah and that was that 
Oh my god, that sounds so unbelievably John Barrowman and true that I think that must be true. Okay, so finally, you accidentally swam with a basking shark. No, you didn't know you were swimming with a basking shark. Basically, uh, about three years ago, or two or three years ago, um, the swimming group I joined, we started doing a big swim around the bay, which is just uh, like in the town where I live. And there's all these little islands and they take like five to 10 minutes to walk across. And we decided that we would do a swim around all of them. Um, So it takes about three hours in total, the swim. Um, And yeah, so you swim to one island, walk across it, swim to the next one, walk across it. And um, yeah, on the the final one, the final stretch between the two islands... um, I was at the back, obviously, because, yeah, I am I was definitely the weakest swimmer at that point. And anyway, so I was pretty tired at this point and um, swimming across. And I think that stretch took about 15 minutes. Got quite close to the, the bit where I was going to get out, so I started breaststroking. And my friend was waiting on the rocks, which starts my name and points behind me. And... Um, yeah, I turned around and there was, um, I could see the fin, but it was pretty far away from me at this point. Um, <laughs> luckily. Yeah, and this bask- basking shark had swam behind us. Um, and there's actually a photo of it when I was swimming across. Um, and it's like 10 meters away from me. Oh. Yeah, which I'm like so glad that I wasn't in the water when I realized because, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that would have been. I just I get the creeps thinking about it, but it's pretty cool though. And we went um, afterwards. We didn't actually even finish this one. We just went on the support boat and kind of watched the shark. <laughs> now, is a basking shark dangerous? It's not. It's completely harmless. It's just massive. Well, it's it's that whole thing where you, you know it's a fin. We've seen movies. Yeah. You don't just the word shark is enough. Okay. Um, oh, this is good. Okay, I'm saying John Barrowman is true. It's such an odd. <laughs> it's it's such an odd story, that and it does feel very John Barrowman. I'm I'm saying that's true. So, is it the colt or the basking shark? Now, the basking shark feels easier to make up, as in you go wild swimming. Maybe the idea that accidentally one day you'd be swimming next to a shark. Maybe that's easy to make up. The cult one is so odd, but it kind of feels true. And yet throwing out a lie about joining a cult also feels, uh, oh, I don't know. There wasn't much detail in the cult one either. It was almost, now, was that because you found it hard to explain because it's so messed up or because you've made it up? Uh, no, okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the cult is the lie. Oh, no, that's true. It's the basking shark. Basking shark is a lie. Oh, I'm chuffed. <laughs> I even said you could make up the shark bit. Duh. Oh, well, well done. So the, the, the cult was true. The cult was true. And I, I really didn't tell that story very well because I realised as, as I came to say it, I was like, how do you explain this? Well, well done. Now, uh, Estelle, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? 
Okay, so I am going to uh, steal a quote from um, my wild swimming coach. Uh, so he always says, slow down to speed up. And as soon as he said this, I was like, oh, that's such a good like thing to say in business because um, of his, like he's referring to it as in like, slow down, work on your technique and you'll gradually get, you'll, you'll gradually get there faster. And I think when I, when I first started freelancing, I probably was trying to like rush to do everything and it just felt like my, my business was getting away from me. I had no control over it. I wasn't like enjoying the work. Um, and as soon as I took a step back, I slowed down a bit and um, really started to take control over the kind of work that I wanted to do and simplify everything you know, go away, learn my craft so that I know what I'm doing. That's when it started to speed up and I started to get to where I wanted to go. So that's what I would tell my younger self. That is a great quote. Yeah. Uh, to run your business like you're doing world swimming, <laughs> including maybe warming by a fire with some cocoa every now and again. Um, oh, yeah. Estelle, I love the way you've made, you know, it, very early on in this story, there was this thing about, anxiety about being around too many people in an office it, it feels like you've made you, you haven't just created a business that works as being introverted but rather like made introverted this key bit of it yeah yeah I, I think so um I think when you're introverted you you kind of maybe feel like the traditional ways of working aren't quite right for you and you try to maybe like adapt to work to them but actually you know, if you run your own business, you can start to build it up in a way that you use your introversion to your advantage. So for example, if you're better at forming deep relationships with a few people rather than getting out and talking to loads of people, then do that because ultimately that's going to work for your business. You don't need to do stuff just for the sake of it. Like, yeah, you can run it exactly how you want to. Nice. Uh, Estelle, thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. Uh, there'll be links through so that you can find Estelle online. Reach out, say hi. Also check out her website. And also, like I mentioned, that sustainability blog and video thing that we did in the Being Freelance community. Speaking of which, you're not alone being freelance. So do come and join us. There's a link through to the community at beingfreelance.com. But for now, Estelle, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Thank you. There we go. There's Estelle. Hope you enjoyed it. And as I mentioned, she is part of the Being Freelance community. You can be too. Don't be alone being freelance. There's genuinely no reason to feel isolated when there's so much support out there and companionship, so much laughter and, yeah, a place for you to ask questions and not feel stupid about it. It's beingfreelance.com. Click on community and it will take you right there and you can go meet your new BFFs, your Being Freelance friends. Okay, just one episode left to come next week for this season of Being Freelance and that is with Micah Woods over in Los Angeles. So looking forward to sharing that story with you very soon. In the meantime, you have a great week being freelance. Thank you.